Hi, my name is Chachi. Hey guys, it's Tori. And this is Axiom Mag's first podcast. <laughs> I'm excited. I it's gonna be called Meeting of the Minds. And um this is our first time running this through, so we're just gonna see how it goes. Um I'm gonna talk a little bit about how Axiom kind of came about and just guys give you give you guys a brief on like what's kind of going on with us. So about seven months ago, I decided that I wanted to create my own outlet for media. I wanted to be able to um, give Tallahassee a chance to shine, but not in the way that other publications around this area kind of focus on the middle class, you know, nuclear family who takes their kids to school every day and actually start focusing more on the college kids around here and what they're doing. And it turns out they're producing a lot of art with a lot of talent, a lot of music, a whole lot of everything, including some other podcasts and some other publications. So I just wanted to highlight that more. And Axiom just represents truth. We exist without explanation. And we're really proud to get this ball rolling through 2017. Oh, yeah. So moving on from that, um, I want it, Vicky or Tori. <laughs> See, now I have to get used to that. See, she wants to change her name from Victoria to Vicky to Tori, and I can't keep up no no well, no okay, way. Well, to be fair, I never, I never really gave anyone the green light to call me Vicky. It just seems to happen a lot, and I'm okay with it. But <laughs> I really only answer to Victoria, so the switch to Tori is like is weird for all of us right now. But she's gonna talk about the naming of making meeting of the minds and where that comes from. Yeah. So my dad. Um, Great guy, right? But um, he, whenever you got in trouble, whenever you're about to get your ass beat, you did something that deserved a whooping, he would, you would have a meeting of the minds. And I mean, I don't know how long he's been saying that to me, but I think the last time he said it to me, I was like in fucking six years old and I went to a pool and I didn't want to go swimming. So I didn't bring a bathing suit, but then I changed my mind once I got there. And so I just got in the pool with like all my clothes on and fucked my hair up and everything. So... <laughs> When I came home that day, we had my first or my last I can remember meeting of the minds. Um, I've been, I got my shit together since then. But. So maybe this is a podcast about getting your shit together, having a conversation, and figuring out how to move from there. So we're gonna start um, with what seems to be the most prevalent thing to talk about, especially since this is MLK weekend. Yeah. Um, Obama and his farewell. It really hurt. <laughs> oh my god! It hurt so bad Tuesday. Um, I don't even know what to say. I, I, it's incredible that um, we've had this opportunity to have a two-term black president. That we've been able to see the inner workings of that. And for me, my, I guess, the most um, influential moment of that whole speech was when he turned to his wife and he said. Michelle, and then he corrected himself and called Michelle out through her whole name and he dropped his last name, showing her that she stands alone without their, their, his title, his last name, his surname as the power, but that her alone, the maiden name, mm -hmm. is the power and where it sits. And just him also going from there to talk about his daughters, to me it just showed like pure black love, pure black magic, and it also showed or black girl magic, showed pure black girl magic because it was showing that these three women or girls behind him, they were really the backbone of the Obama administration, that he would not have been able to do any of this if it were not for his his wife and his daughters. And I think that that was a huge, um, like that was the blackest, one of the blackest things I think Obama has done to date, just showing you like how a black family really, really um, can look. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know, losing Obama is gonna be so hard because 
one, he is such an extraordinary person. Like, he's a good person and something that I feel is just lacking in a lot of in a lot of places, though, is just this um, care for other people and this real care for your country. And, and that includes everyone in your country, not just who can you can profit off the most or, you know, the biggest group of people, but everyone. So it's going to be it's going to be real hard. It's going to be real different. But I'm really sad to see him go. He's my my favorite president. <laughs> He's like the only president. Right? He's the only Other one than Bush, but we were like kids. He was my first president I got to vote for. Like, you're right. He was, oh my God. You're right. You're right. And that I think that's going to live with our generation for everything. Oh, yeah. Like, to be a black kid who said like the first president I ever voted for was a black person and they won. Like, that's insane. Like, it is. There's not a lot of people who are going to be able to say that. And our parents, I'm sure, and our grandparents, like, for them, it's kind of like, I feel like I heard a while back someone was like, someone was on the news, I don't even remember what I was watching, but they were like, it was like this old black man, and he was like, yeah, Obama was like the last time I'm ever going to vote. He was like, I don't even really feel unless another like black person pops up in my lifetime, which isn't really probably going to happen. Nope. He was like, this is my last vote. Like, I'm never doing this again. Um, <laughs> I'm good. Like, I've been waiting and I got what I wanted. So like, we're good now. <laughs> but um, something I also wanted to talk about, like, you know, of course, because it's his farewell, today is the 14th, which means he will um, exit the office in uh, five days. And, um, you know, people think, oh, we're getting so happy-go-lucky, we're getting so nostalgic because we're so scared of Trump, so, you know, we're just going to act like Obama was the best president ever. And it's like, no, he wasn't. He wasn't the best president ever. But he showed us that a black president can be a regular president, that it, like everything doesn't have to come down to the fact that he's black, that we can criticize him over other things, things that pres presidential mistakes yeah. that, that a normal, regular old guy that we voted into office could make and that we can criticize that, we can talk about that, that Benghazi didn't happen because Obama was a black man. Benghazi happened because at the end of the day, Obama is a human and he made a mistake in his presidency and he has to live with that and I'm sure you know he will do what he has to to reconcile that. Uh, post-presidency, but I just appreciate that the criticism that we do have of Obama, the good criticism, the constructive yeah. presidential criticism, <laughs> not the bullshit we hear about. Which you know. is mostly what we hear. Right. But mostly that, bullshit. Right. <laughs> but when a black person wants to criticize Obama, like they can, they can talk about those things. And they can also talk about, of course, like that he was black and he didn't pass any major laws for us and that there was some criticism of how he handled black issues, especially as like BLM started to pop up and as these shootings started to become more, I guess, visible. Um, you know, we can talk about those things, but again, you know, you could also still apply that to a regular old president and I just kind of appreciate but that. But you know, something I think is really interesting about that is um, Obama, like, people worried that Obama was gonna just, I guess, look out for black people only or whatever. And um, he worked so hard to make sure he stayed impartial. And I really, I mean, despite how he felt, because obviously he would have personal feelings as a black man, but to, to, to try to put that off to be the best president for this country he could be, that's amazing. And it's really sad that people didn't recognize that then so that they could have made a better decision yeah. in, what, November. And I think, it's, I think it, it's kind of funny because obviously pro-blackness is great. <laughs> clearly a fan of that yeah but i think sometimes it pro-blackness turns left sometimes where it's like you have to be black in this like pure form and everything mm -hmm. and anything you do has to relate back to the fact that you're advocating for black people and yeah. it's like well yeah if you live as a black person and you do good works and you try to advance anything whatever field you're in then of course you're still doing advancement for black people but i i feel like you have to sometimes 
BLM is a mistake in this. They make this mistake as well, but they kind of get into this weird, um, you know, if you're not doing it for black people, then you're not doing good at all because you're black and you have this, you know, weight of the world on your shoulders to do well for black people and to be a civil rights activist. And it's like, no, not everybody's a civil rights activist. That's why we had a Martin Luther King and we had a not Martin Luther King. <laughs> like, there's got to be these people that are significant and that is what they devote their life's work to. But I, I don't know. I just think that, you know. You have to watch out to make sure that, like, you can be pro-black and, you know, love who you are and love your people and all of that and not be alienating. Right. And sometimes that's I think that's a, it's a line that's hard to toe sometimes mm -hmm. because you get this feeling of like, well, I don't care. Like, you know, fuck them. I want to be how I am and I want to feel how I feel. And, you know, and I get that. And you shouldn't not do that. But at the same time, if it, if you're trying to have a conversation or you're trying to further the conversation, you're not necessarily going to be able to do that. Yeah. And I feel like an example that of that for us both is like, I feel like sometimes I feel guilty when I don't listen to a black artist. Like, oh. if I'm listening to, like, rock and there's not, yes. like, a weird caveat black person involved, like, sometimes I feel, like, really guilty. Like, damn, I should really be supporting my people. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, dude, like, sometimes mm -hmm. the band just doesn't have black people and it's good music and that's okay. Like, we're allowed to deviate from this pure black space. Like, you can have other loves. Right. You can, And it doesn't mean that you're taking away. Like, there's room to grow. There's room to expand. You can like your... Yo, I guess your white people music and still yeah. completely and a hundred percent support black music. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's really important to remember like you can love being black the same way you love being a woman. Mm -hmm. You don't, or I guess love being a man. I don't want to leave anybody out here, but <laughs> or however, but love who you are. You know, that's just part of who you are. That doesn't dictate what you like and necessarily what you do or what mm -hmm. you you know it should it, right you know be who you are be who you want to be and you know but love that part of yourself as well right which is like i feel like that's how we're supposed to feel about obama like it's yeah. not supposed to be this huge absolute like if you loved obama you can't criticize obama and it's like of course you can criticize obama like you can still respect him as a president and think that he did great works and still have some things to say like i think that our generation has like forgotten that constructive criticism exists yeah. <laughs> and that you don't have to live in this space of complete destruction or complete admiration like, yeah there is a middle ground but um yeah we wanted to just kind of uh yeah, show an overview of that but i guess moving on um victor darn it tori <laughs> is well, gonna get <laughs> dang it i'm never gonna get this right bear with me you guys um but she's going to give us kind of an overview of what's going on with Obamacare, because that's really her. So I'm, okay, so <laughs> it's about to get real real. So I'm so fucking pissed about Obamacare. I am. I've been pissed off for a very, very long time. And here is why. She's because about to I snap, saw this shit. I saw this shit forever ago when they started calling it <laughs> Obamacare. Okay, everyone, I mean, I guess not everyone clearly does not know, but it's actually the Affordable Care Act. That's what it is, right? So tell me, like, I saw this so early. People are like, oh, I hate Obamacare, and they should really work on the Affordable Care Act, da 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 How many people, do you know how many people I had to tell? That's the same thing. And I guess, you know, the Republicans really, they got what they wanted, because by naming it Obamacare. The confusion. Yeah, the confusion, by tacking it onto a person and not what it actually was, they got people on board with this. And what's really sad is with this repeal, which I don't know anyone who's, who's calling for a repeal, but... I don't really know anyone on the other side either, but, um, you know, with that, what's really sad and what's really going to happen is this uh, repealing Obamacare leads to really high tax cuts. I think it's like $7 million per family. It's billions of dollars in tax cuts. $7 million per family? Yeah, seven hundred uh, for the top 400, the wealthiest 400 families in this country, 
Um, they're going to be receiving a $7 million tax cut with How the repeal does, of Obamacare. So so Obamacare is kind of like using taxes to, of course, support mm-hmm. the health care to make it cheaper for those who wouldn't um, necessarily be able to afford it at its normal cost. So is that kind of saying that, that these 400 families, they feel as if they're like paying exorbitant amounts for too many people like so is is it is a tax cut what they were paying before to help obamacare and now it's just like being lifted or is yeah. it a further tax well i feel cut? like it's a i feel like it i don't think it's a further tax okay cut. but um it's because that's the money that they were paying in taxes i guess that went to that to that specific group i mean they're not but it's kind of crazy money. to think that 400 families can donate seven million dollars towards just the health care. Because like, you're talking, okay, their tax cut, yeah, but it's like you're talking about the tax cut that's going to affect Obamacare. Not even like how much taxes these people actually Not pay collectively. the tax cuts that, you know, they normally want. Yeah, right. On top, on top of, of everything. Like, dang, like you get to save $7 million and then some more? Like, oh and there's God. only like 400 like units of you? Like, yeah. that, I feel like that just, that shows the wrongness, the, 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 uh, imbalance, yeah. yeah, yeah, this of this our money disparity that we really, really have. Like I, I know I, I read a lot of stuff about that, but you know it's it's real, guys. Like this wealth disparity that we have, the fact that the top one percent has more than ninety nine percent combined. That's that's concerning. That's kind of scary, and it makes you wonder. One, I mean, how much money is really out there? Like, how much money? Do you yeah, have? Like, how much money is out there? Like, how much, how much do you, money do I deserve? Right, because <laughs> you're just talking about the tax cut. Like, you're just talking about these people. Like, how much money they could save? Like, you know, when you go to Walmart and you're like, dang, I can save ninety cents if I buy this milk and not that milk. Like, that's where we're at. They're like, oh my gosh, if we repeal a whole healthcare act for our entire nation. We could save seven million dollars, you guys. Let's do it. But you, you have to think with how much money they have to repeat to get that repeal. That's not crazy. That's not crazy for them to be like, oh, well, I need to reach out to so and so and so, and you know, really start getting this repeal because this is not working for me anymore. Like they have the money to do that. Like I don't, I don't even think I could get through to my sister if able, I tried. Right. Like you be. Like, they're able to call somebody up and change the whole government. Yeah. I have a hard time calling my mom up and asking her to pay my phone Shit. bill. I can't call Comcast <laughs> up and change my plan. Like, and these people can call the whole government and get shit popping. And then like, it makes you wonder how much of our, well, I mean, we all know our governments run on money. Right. But, you know, it makes you like, where is this money? I don't know. Like, who are you? Get all conspiracy where, theory. Yeah, where the fuck is this coming yeah. from, you know? And then, like, you know, um... Yeah, I don't know what, the confusion of, like, because, like, I, so, Tori, damn it, I'm never going to, this is the third time, I can't do this again. We'll get there, we'll get there. We're all growing together. So, Tori doesn't use Twitter, but I do. I don't really like it, like, it it was, like, a a weird 2017 resolution, because I'm like, okay, I'm a journalist, I got my degree, it's time that I use Twitter because unfortunately, like that is the like one of the biggest media outlets that we have today. So, yeah. and especially with Trump, he really likes it. So <laughs> I had to get my ass on there. So you know, just surfing around Twitter and realizing, like, finding those Republicans on Twitter who was like, you know, hashtag ACA and then hashtag Obamacare. There, there was this one tweet I saw by like this old white man, and he was like, "Wait, ACA hashtag ACA and hashtag Obamacare? That's the same like." bill and i'm like what do you mean that's the same it's been the same thing for years and you're just realizing like that you've been saying oh i hate obamacare and then he was like he had like a whole thread and he was saying like you know i looked into what the affordable care act is and it's really not so bad 
Like, I don't know why we're so against this. And it's scary because it's like, they keep saying, okay, we're going to repeal the act. And they've started the first motion of it, of course. Um, and it's like, what does that mean? Because you guys haven't put anything in its place. Trump mm -hmm. never gave us during his, um, during the election season and during his campaign, he never told us like what he was going to replace it with. He didn't tell us anything. <laughs> yeah, he didn't tell us anything about anything. You're right. But yeah, he didn't tell us like what he was going to do. And now that the administration is there and that the Congress is voted in as well, like no one can tell me or tell the public like what the hell is going on. Like you guys are going to just repeal this health care and what's going to happen? I think it's, what is it? 40 million? 55 million. 55 million people. 55 million people benefit from Obamacare right now. And 55 million people just won't have health care? I think it's more than it that. It might be because more. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think that statistic, that number is from um, the initial Planned Parenthood being defunded at this. Um, I think the number is higher. I think it's even higher than that. Yeah, well, we'll fact check that for you guys. But yeah, like, I, I don't know what that means. Like, you just told a whole bunch of people that they can't go to the doctor and then they just mm -hmm. can't go. Like, not that, okay, we're going to make it a little more expensive or you're going to have to file it differently. Um, None of that. Just, we're getting rid of it because we don't like it. And they can't even tell you, like, that, you know, um, they can't tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> like, the simple just why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I watched this video. It was, like, uh, Paul Ryan. This guy stood up to talk to him, like, pretty much, um, you know, hey, I had cancer. I found out I was a Republican all of my life. Mm -hmm. um, had cancer. Didn't support Obamacare or whatever. Um, I found out I had cancer, and without Obamacare, I wouldn't have been able to get coverage because he had a pre, you know, pre-existing condition. So he was able to get healthcare coverage. He was able to get treatment. Um, he tried to offer the hospital to pay like three times the amount of the mm -hmm. procedure, and they wouldn't do it without an insurance card. And he didn't have any, so he got you know Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, and um, he was able to be cured. And you know, he asked Paul, "Why would you repeal this? Why would you repeal something?" that only helps people who are disadvantaged and he couldn't answer him and it, you know that's one of those things i was like man you know how do you put aside such a moral responsibility yeah you know how how is i don't know how is this not our congress's our senate's responsibility to make sure that we our healthcare is intact yeah. you know and how do you just leave us out here like it's that? like what we were talking about the other day like the fact that people do not consider um, your health and your your ability to heal as an unalienable right. Yeah. Like, they, they see that as a perk, like getting a car or owning a big house. They think that health care and being able to afford to go to your doctor and say, hey, I'm sick, can you help me? They consider that a privilege rather than a right. And I think that that's so insane because it's like, how in the world, like, this is literally, you're literally talking about life and death and you think that life is a perk. It's a privilege to be alive. And, I mean, in a way it is, but, it, you know, not controlled by another human as a privilege, but, you know, you're playing God, essentially. You're basically saying the poor do not have the right to live, and if they die, good riddance. Like, they should have figured the... You know, out. it's something I feel like, you know, it's like the survival of the fittest mentality mm -hmm. that I feel like people really... Got out really, of control. Yeah, that people really hold on to, and we don't need to. Like, survival of the fittest made sense, you know, when 
resources were super limited and and the know, threats were high. The, yeah, the threats were high. Like we're all living, you know, we could live into our 80s, 90s, 100s right now if we had insurance. And poor people live into their 80s. Exactly. 90s and it's 100s, like, you know, so like, I don't understand more? this this need for like a economic survival of the fittest. I don't mm-hmm. understand Especially that. when there's so many things in the system that prevent you from even having a chance to survive. Like yep. you're 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 trying to say, "Oh, it's easy. Like if you just get like me, you can get healthcare too." And it's like, "Okay, but getting like you involves dismantling an entire system that we don't have access to even dismantle now because of a thousand other things. But, you know, um, going from that, I guess... I guess we should go on to talk about Trump. Yeah. I don't really want to have this conversation. (laughs) Like, to be honest, like, so I recently left the country for a week and I I didn't... I was... (sighs) I don't even know what to say, y'all. Like, 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 ever since November ninth, um, I guess it would technically be. Yeah. yeah. So ever since November 9th, like, I, I've checked out. I will be honest, and I feel guilty about it. But I, I just had to take a minute, like, as a journalist, as a, as a citizen of the United States, right. as a woman, and as a black person. I just, I had to take a moment. Like, I couldn't look at this situation and be like, oh yeah, I can totally absorb everything that's going on and remain calm. Like, I felt like, so I left the country, not because specifically (laughs) of that, but I left the country, and and in that time, I was just like, like, I have to go back, and I have to, like, address this, because what was really scary was I was down in this little tiny island called St. Vincent, it's where my family's from, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, um, in the Caribbean, and, like, I talked to some people, and I had this whole conversation with someone, and they were just like, we're legitimately afraid of Americans now, like, because I kept speaking to people and they kept looking at me weird and like kind of like standoffish and kind of skittish. And I've never experienced that before any other time I visited. And they were like, yeah, um, we're kind of afraid of you right now because like you guys just voted like a total demon into office. (laughs) We don't really know what that means. So we're just going to stay out of it. And so like, I realized like coming back, especially as a journalist, I guess I was like, you know what? I have to address this. I need to understand what's going on because you know, there are people in whole other countries who just think that we are just fucking shit up and we don't give a hoot. And it's like, no, we care. We really care. We just don't know how to handle this. And I mean, I think um, with Trump coming in, he's clearly changing the presidency and how it's done. Mm -hmm. That means we have to change how we do our roles as citizens. We can't just sit back and, you know, trust that he's got shit. Like, we just can't because clearly he doesn't. And um, clearly we have to, because... Our government is not holding him accountable and responsible to the duties and the tradition that has been set in the presidency. We need to make sure that he's being held accountable and mm-hmm. we need to help hold our Congress accountable so they can make sure that they're doing their job. You know, it's yeah. just, we really have to change. Our level of involvement has to change. It can't be this passive, take whatever you see on Facebook and keep it moving. You and need to like do your own research. You've got to know what you're talking about social media posts like you you have yeah you have to know what you're talking about you You can't just be like you can't pull like one thing that and i talked to tori about this earlier like 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 the fact that like trump when he tweets at the end of his tweets he just is like bad exclamation point you know (laughs) pathetic exclamation point and it's like i you know in a weird way I feel like people are responding to Trump's tweets so negatively because it's kind of like a mirror a little bit. Because I'm, you know what? I'll say it. We've been using social media the way that Trump is currently using social media. Tell him. It's, yeah, I'm going to tell you 
about yourself. <laughs> Trust it's true. me. It's, it's the even, truth. It's not even Axiom crazy. right here. No, nah, but really, like, you, you, it, this is the truth. Like, you... You, we, we just say flippant shit on Trump social media. Like a sixteen-year-old girl, right? Not even sixteen-year-old. He tweets like a twenty-five-year-old woman. Like <laughs> he really does. Because you got Tommy Lauren. We've got um, what's his senior advisor's name? Lorianne. Um, what is your last Kellyanne. name? Kellyanne. Kellyanne. I'm Conway. sorry. Kellyanne Conaway. We've got old white women. Not old, but older white women tweeting the same way so it's not even like that he's behaving like a child he's behaving how we've been using social media yeah. i feel for like the past decade he just we're just not letting it happen we're not or we are letting it happen but we're not tolerating it we're lashing back because he's the president of the united states and so we hold him to a different standard but i think in a weird way we need to look at that and say okay maybe we need to hold ourselves to a different standard because trump is an old guy he's an old white man who's always had power i imagine the way he learned to tweet was he looked at twitter and he looked at the way everybody else was okay, tweeting fair. and he just kind of emulated that. And so that's what we're seeing. And we're like, this looks like total bullshit. And it's like, yeah, because 99% of Twitter is total bullshit. And so mm -hmm. he's, he's mimicking. And I think that that's like more important in when we look at like what or how he's tweeting, not necessarily, we're not even getting into what he's saying just yet, yeah. but just the <laughs> formula and the, and the, um, the syntax of the way that he's tweeting, I don't think that that's something Trump came up with on his own. I think that that's something he's mimicking, and I think that that's really scary because, yeah. Um, we, yeah, like I said, we're just throwing things out flippantly and we're not fact-checking what we're saying. We're not doing that. But Trump recently um, called out the dossier, this infamous dossier that, you I'm know... I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah, it says something about um, him getting pissed on by prostitutes, which I just... Yeah. You know, the likelihood of that, I feel like, is way more high than we want to admit to ourselves. But that's besides the point. That's another story, another podcast. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll do a BDSM thing. Who knows? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, like, like we, we, um, we focused on that. BuzzFeed focused on that. Um, most of these terrible outlets focused on that. And, and then CNN took the heat for trying to report it as, like, tr like for the true news. And, of course, like, the, so the story, I should re revert back. The story is basically that somehow BuzzFeed got a hold of this dossier, or CNN got a hold of the dossier. Then BuzzFeed got a hold of the dossier and actually published the dossier. Then CNN came back and said, ah, oh, we have no way of actually knowing how much of this is true, but this is what it said. Then BuzzFeed kind of just went as if it was true, started making all the memes and the jokes and the quizzes and whatever else BuzzFeed does. And, um, you know, kind of ran with it. And then the internet, of course, ran with it because, you know, BuzzFeed is an internet trendsetter and tastemaker. So, um, that's what kind of ha happened. Things got kind of out of control. Now we have Kellyanne Conaway. And we have Donald Trump a, yelling at CNN at his freaking press conference about right. your fake news. And, and, and um, Giuliani as well. All that shit. Giuliana, Giuliani compared this, this type of situation to... Um, he compared the situation to uh, uh, cyber attacks, like calling it like a, I mean, a cyber attack is but you know what i think is really interesting and i just thought of this how is it that okay so i guess maybe because trump isn't news we'll give him that right but how is it that trump can get mad that someone has misreported because that's i think that's really what it is it's not i don't think there's necessarily a fault in reporting it i just think that buzzfeed they ran with a little bit right but like he can do that but at the same time trump after he left his briefing about um Russia hacking or, you know, influencing and hacking our election. And he's allowed to go and, like, I, I don't know if it was on Twitter or in person. Either way, he literally was like, yep, 
I just went to the meeting and they pretty much said no, Russia isn't involved. When they released the declassified document saying yes, Russia is definitely involved and to blame. Like, right, like he gets to produce he... his own fake news and gets yeah. to just make shit up and we're supposed to accept it. But the chance that um, a actual media outlet reports, I guess, news that isn't confirmed, it's not even that it's not a fact. It's just not confirmed. And also, you can still argue just because it's not confirmed doesn't mean it's still not news. Right. Like, it can still be You're just Right. So, media and, and news is the... It, it is the watchdog of the government mm-hmm. and its purpose is to inform the citizens of anything and everything that is happening. So, if there's a dossier, a dossier that Trump was informed of with a two-page synopsis before the media even had a hold on it... Mm-hmm. Then that, yes, if he gets the news, the news, the quote-unquote news, (laughs) first, and he reads the two-page synopsis and he says, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit, that's fine. That means that the news can take that and say, uh, Trump saw a two-page dossier of a 35, excuse me, a two-page synopsis of a 35-page dossier, and he said it wasn't true. That is news, because then it's, of course, okay, well, we need to make sure that Trump is actually telling the truth, because at the end of the day, we don't know if Trump got pissed on, but Trump knows if he got pissed on, and we just want to know exactly to what extent did this pissing contest end up being? Because it's not only about prostitutes, it's about Russia being involved in our government. Somebody that we were in a cold war with, somebody who has cost us thousands of Someone lives. Someone who Donald Trump really hesitates to condemn or say anything bad about, because Vladimir yeah. Putin is a really great guy, so says our president-elect. Right. So it's like, it makes you, I don't, <laughs> you know, it's just really, um, it's really concerning. I don't know, like, I was so excited for 2017. Like, I am excited for this new year, new year, new beginnings, all that great stuff. New year, new me. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, new year, new president. And this one's a crazy sh- shithead. Yeah, I'll say it. I'll I'll say say it. He's a crazy shithead. You know, it's like, I don't know. My feelings on Trump, I feel like they're super clear, but I feel like he's crazy. I think he's a crazy person. Right. And I just... Don't know what to do with that. <sighs> but yeah, so his tweets, his tweets, you know, he, yeah, so he tweeted that the dossier was fake. And he said it was fake because this outlet, um, it's called One America News Network. It was, I, I believe it appeared in 2014 as a replacement to Fox, not a replacement, but a competitor to Fox News. Which Enough we to, already know is biased news. Exactly, okay. extreme conservative biased news. And, um... It was built to to replace it, and, and I guess an attempt to be quote unquote more factual. I don't know. Their uh, Twitter uh, bio says that they are a credible source of national and international news, <laughs> but everybody else says that they don't say anything real. And we just watched um, the video in which it explain um, in which uh, I don't even I didn't catch the reporter's I name. I'm Kelly. I something like something that. Something like that. Yikes! Some but, um, blonde lady. Some blonde lady looks like a combination of Tori Lauren and Kellyanne. Um, Kellyanne, what's her face? Liz Wheeler. There we oh, go. There we go. Okay. Liz Wheeler. Um, so she kind of breaks down exactly what these accusations are and why they um, why they are not true and why they're just accusations. And she called um, she called it garbage. I believe was her yeah. more specific wording. But they're supposedly a credible source. So Donald Trump tweeted this morning that the news is re- or that the dossier is fake and that One American News is reporting factual news about the fact that the dossier is fake because they did a fact check now who knows who knows but all i know is that the rest of that twitter thread basically goes in to talk about how one american news is not a credible source it cannot be trusted so we watched the video we're not really sure ourselves i think that this is going to take a little bit you know 
there's going to have to be some cooperation between the Trump administration and the media to ever figure out if this dossier is true. But, you know, I think it attests what it's a weird thing going on, as Meryl Streep said during the Golden Globes, about how this is how media gets, you know, gets com this confined to censorship. Right. And censorship and, and, and pushing news through one outlet that you have no way of checking if it's real or not. They're just telling you what it is or what it's going to be for your mind, whether that is the actual truth or not. So, yeah, and you know, um, I know our president-elect seems to forget that he didn't actually win the popular vote, and so a lot of people don't necessarily agree with this, but, you know, there there is clearly a subset of people that will just take information um, that fits what they believe their personal bias, regardless of its factual worth, um, and so it's it's it gets concerning because, you know, Though I think there's definitely a lot of people out here who are not happy with the way things are going, who are trying to fight the censorship and who would like to see it being fought hard and they're applauding the news for trying to fight it. At the same time, there are people who don't care. And that's what's super scary. And honestly, like, as if I was someone in another country, I would be terrified of Americans because it's like, you don't even care what's actually real. Like, right. you just care about what if it fits and, what you feel. And you like know? you said, like, at the end of the day, you, we're supposed to be the most democratic nation in the world, and we just watch democracy fail us. Yeah. So it's like to be an outsider, an, a non-American, and say, you guys claim to be so democratic, and then you just like took let democracy go to the wind and was like, fuck it, we're just going to pick a person, and it's cool, like, eh, everybody looks fine, is kind of is terrifying. It's just, it doesn't make any sense, and, it, and, and as a 23-year-old who doesn't know everything, like, it's, it's baffling. It's like, I feel like I have missed a huge key, like major key that I should have been paying attention to. I feel like I missed something, you know, um, Anderson Cooper and Kellyanne were having this argument about um, the statistics that were done for CNN for the original election and how that, um, how they misrepresented what was going to actually happen. And Anderson Cooper was like, no, our statistics were correct. Based on the information that we had, they were correct because the popular vote showed yeah. exactly what we said. But the electoral college and then the people who you know kind of hid in secret, the, the silent voters that popped out. You can't, you can't, um, you can't make math necessarily for people that you didn't know existed. Like yeah. people who've been so off the radar for so long. Um, some of them since Reagan. But like, you know, the same way black people came out the woodwork to vote for Obama. It's the same These people thing. in rural America came out of the woodwork to vote for Trump. And it's like, but again, you know, their, their statistics weren't wrong. The trend, the popular vote did go the way that they thought it would. It's mm -hmm. just, that's unfortunately that's not, not how, how our, what is it called? We're not a direct democracy. So new. we have an electoral Which college. Which we so. need to work on. So <sighs> I, I guess I give it to y'all out there if you want to get started on that. Because um, I don't know. Because we're doing a podcast. <laughs> But we're busy. <laughs> if you could get started on that, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Let us know, though. Let us know how we can help you, of Yeah, course. we'll shout you but... out on our podcast. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, but oh, going back to what Tori was saying, though, about like there are people out there who are standing against this, that brings us to the other major tweet that uh, Donald Trump decided to do on this lovely Saturday morning during MLK weekend. Uh -oh. He decided to attack the lovely Congressman John Lewis of the 5th Congressional District of Georgia. And, um, and a lot of us don't really know who that is. Um, but he was a great civil rights activist. He was arrested as a freedom writer. He had a crate crashed over his head. And there's this really cool picture, if you Google that, there's a really cool picture of him um, with blood coming out of the, you know, coming out of his head after he just got attacked. And 
That's one of the most famous pictures of him. But he um, basically, in his fifth congressional district, district encompasses about 64% of Atlanta. Of that 64% of the of the actual um, city of Atlanta, it's I believe to be 60% black and about 34% white. And then you know the statistics kind of deviate from there. Um, he basically attacked John Lewis because John Lewis said, "I'm not coming to the inauguration. That is not a legitimate legitimate president, and I'm not going to respect it." Now that's rare because every congressman, of course, is supposed to be in attendance of the inauguration. He refuses. About 10 other congressmen and women are also not going to appear. Um, and Trump basically threw a hissy fit on Twitter, like usual, and he mm -hmm. essentially said that John Lewis's congressional district is crime-ridden, and it is a terrible place, and it need, he needs to focus on that and stop focusing on me. Which is weirdly ironic, because it's like, you're about to become the president of the United States, and he's a congressman, so if he was trying to make his, con uh, his district better, the way to do that would to be ensuring that the person who leads him has the best interest in mind as well, and he basically said, you don't. This is a problem for my people, this is a problem for me, and this is a problem for the integrity of the United States. So it was kind of weird. Um, but with that, my opinion is so strange. Like, as I was saying to Tori earlier, like, I feel like it's a conspiracy. Like, how in the world did this president that we're so afraid of ha having so cleanly and coincidentally suddenly attack a civil rights activist on MLK weekend? Like, it's just so good. It's too much tea. I'm <laughs> suspicious of this tea and I don't want to drink it because I'm like, how did this man, um, how did this man have such good, terrible timing? Like mm -hmm. he gave us, and then of course Twitter exploded this morning. They were talking about everything John Lewis has done since day one until the day he probably died, how much he has, he's going to accomplish, how much he has accomplished and how great of a man he is for doing this. And I'm not knocking that at all. That is the truth, but it's kind of crazy. Like how did Trump suddenly just be like, oh, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to attack a civil rights activist and I'm just going to, you know, do it on MLK weekend because it's going to be perfect. Because John Lewis actually, the condemning happened earlier this week. But Trump decided to just comment it conveniently on this weekend. I don't know. I'm also a conspiracy theorist and my, my conspiracy. Surprise, guys. This is a conspiracy podcast. We've been fooling you for the last like 40 been minutes. hiding it. Oh, <laughs> Uh, we're just gonna like slowly indoctrinate you into our <laughs> ideas, but um, I think that Trump has impeccable timing because he always seems to find a way to distract the public mm -hmm. when he's doing some shady shit. Mm -hmm. So we know. So what's the shady shit? So what's the know. real tea? So I think, <laughs> what I think is happening. Like he had his press conference, right? Mm -hmm. He had his press conference where he was yelling at reporters and shit. The same time that his um, cabinet picks are going through their congressional hearings. Because mm -hmm. you can't watch two things at once. That... One. And now if you've been So watching, he thinks. So he thinks. But uh, we can see all. No kidding. <laughs> um, but I can read about the it omni afterwards. The omniscient United States <laughs> right? citizen. Now, somebody. Two people watch different things. Like, we, we come together to talk about it. But <laughs> what I thought was interesting is, like, um, what's his name? Jeff Sessions. That's his attorney general pick. Um, Jeff Sessions is a racist. I can say that because a court has said it. I can also say it because I know what racism looks like. Let's revert back. The court said it. This man, yes. this man did not get a job as a, I think it was a federal court judge, mm -hmm. right? Because when they did his hearing, the court hearing to say, hey, are you even like good enough to have this job or viable enough or honest enough? They said, no. They said, no, man, you're racist and we can't have he you. He called, I think like he's had an instance of calling a black person boy of saying that mm -hmm. civil rights um, was <laughs> like pretty much a detriment to our country. He's a racist, right? And um, I wish I knew, I don't remember this guy's name, but one of the senators, a different senator, stood up in his hearing, 
unprecedented and went, um, I don't, I, no. I, no. Like, he's like, <laughs> I know that you guys are going to vote how you vote. You have, you know, he's probably going to win anyway. He's going to get it and not win, but he's going to get his place anyway. But I have to take a stand and say no, because he's racist. And, you know, I think, you know, that with Rex Tillerson and being, with his congressional hearing, all of that, we don't hear about that because now we're talking about Trump yelling at CNN reporters about peeing on beds. You know, like, it's, that's my yeah. conspiracy. I'm like, I feel like he's, um, the ultimate not a, distractor. Yeah, he's not a brilliant man, but he is a loud, obnoxious man. And he yeah. just likes to be loud, obnoxious, convenient times. And so, I don't know. I, I don't could believe him. that. I could really, and, uh, you know... I, you know, I think it's also great because, it, not great, that's the wrong word. <laughs> I think that it's necessary because, you know, like I said, we're all talking about, John, or today we were all talking about John Lewis and we were able to give this man some great credibility to, um, some great credibility to the work that he's done as a congressman and as an activist and as just, you know, a black person. And so it, it's kind of this weird um, double... The two sided cord. What is it? Double edged sword. Double edged sword. Not double edged sword. What are you trying to say? Like it's two. It's two sided. Like there's two ways to look at it. There's a negative way where it's like ah oh, he's distracting everywhere, and there's this weird positive where it's like well it's a good thing that we're digging. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Trump inter inner inner um Trump insults John Lewis Sunday morning Saturday morning January 14th, and now by the end of the day I feel like every black person who who uses social media knows exactly who John Lewis is. So I get, there's like a weird appreciation for his idiocy because it's making sure that we're not idiots because now we're like, okay, what dumb shit did Trump say today? True. Now I need to know everything about the dumb shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, so I know exactly. In what way was Trump being a dumb shit? Right. You, know? you gotta know. So it's like I appreciate um, our generation and our, our current society's yeah. movement towards doing that and towards educating ourselves more. But at the same time, like... Trump, you need to not insult my mans. Like, you can't come for John Lewis after all the work he's done. He just said the same thing everybody else has said, but your dumbass wanted to say something during MLK weekend like that was appropriate. And what's scary to me is, like, I don't even know... You know, Trump hasn't... He doesn't speak. He doesn't give speeches really like mm-hmm. that. That press conference was first. originally... And was originally scheduled for December 15th. This man was a month late to a press conference. But you know, see, I don't know. Like, back my, my theory, though, like, his entire, like, run for president has just been one catastrophe after another that keeps propelling us forward. We never get a chance to really dig into the, the first thing, you know, before mm-hmm. something else comes up and something else comes up. And so I feel like he really pushed back this press conference because he was like, I don't know, I don't want to give him, I don't want to just answer questions and everyone can see how much of a dumbass I am. Let me just push it back till it's too late. Like, what are we going to do now? I mean, I think there's people who watched that press conference and went, oh, he does not have the temperament for president. Yeah, this man literally <laughs> pointed, pointed across the podium and went, fake news, and then just kept going. Oh like, my God, I hate his face. We- <laughs> <laughs> I pictured him saying it because I watched it and I was like, right, like, you you're 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 a diplomat. You're the highest form of a diplomat that exists in our country. You can't just point and yell at people. Like that's not No, and you and, know, if that had come out of Obama's mouth, that ever come out of Hillary's mouth, it would have there even I don't even think Hillary's husband could have gotten away. No, like I, I don't believe that. Like right. I just there's no one but for some reason we're just letting Trump be this like you know, I said not to call him a child, but being this big old baby and we're just accepting it. And my confusion in that is like the protocol. 
Yeah. You know, like there when you're in a press conference, or, yeah, when you're in a press conference, there is a unspoken protocol. There's a, a certain level of respect that the media has to have for who they're, um, who's at the head of the press conference, and there's a certain level of respect that the person at the head of the conference will have for the media. Yeah. And that's just an, a known thing. And of course, there's some like things that are set in stone, but the fact that this man can get up on stage and he can shout things in the middle of someone asking a question, like, you know, during during um, debates, you have to let the moderator finish the question, and they can interrupt you to say, let me finish and continue to talk. And of course, that's how we did Trump then. But during these press conferences, there is no way for the journalists to defend themselves. There's no mm -hmm. way for them to say, excuse me, President-elect Trump, I was speaking. Let me finish my question. He just has to sit down and that's it. Like, he's like, oh, you just screamed at me and I, I, I can't even get a question out and you won't let me finish speaking. So now I just have to move on. And I know that that's like tough. Like, you just have to work with what you got. But it's like, well, there should be some level of professionalism. Well, I think what I'm seeing... Also, what I think is probably this is what's making me so nervous. And um, this makes me look a little retroactively, but the things that Trump is allowed to do, things that another, a president has never done before, it makes me wonder now. I'm like, what are the rules exactly of being a president? <laughs> like, what are the actual rules? What can you rules? can and can't do? Exactly. Like, like, what if you do this, you can't be president anymore? Because, like, there's things that I think, I think he's disqualified himself from being president several many times. Many times. You know, the fact of the matter is, is there should be, it, it just makes you wonder. It makes you wonder, like, have we just been up until now voting people who had some respect, and now we're just seeing had someone training, had training because this is who the has first no respect, lawyer, no training. Yeah. yeah, he's he's just um he's just a rich dude. Like that's what he is. He's a rich businessman. That's that's his life. That's and he his. didn't even get himself rich. No, so like, he started off rich. He started know? off rich and was In only true fashion, right, man, and like, just got and he had he was able to do all these trial and errors because he had always had his daddy's money to fall back on, and so it's like. It's kind of crazy because I feel like Trump is just like doing whatever he wants and hoping that it works out. And there's no room for, there's not a lot of room for mistakes as a president. And no. Obama learned that very quickly. And I think, and what's even scarier is like, you know, Obama learned that lesson while having to fight to get things passed, you know, yeah. while having to fight for things. Trump And to also not like, you know, Trump wants to bitch and moan all the time about like the insults that people throw at him. Like Obama got called a like like a, his wife got called a gorilla, and not by just some random ass person, but by a person within his government. Mm -hmm. A congressman called him a, called his wife a gorilla, and there was nothing that they could say. There was no screaming at them, talking about how disrespectful, pathetic. There was no doing that. You just had to accept that that these people they were saying horrible things. They didn't even dignify things. those people with a response. Right. But, you know, it's... It, <laughs> Which, of course, you know, but what that's makes what it, we do. <laughs> yeah, right. But, like, what makes that really concerning to me is, like, you know, Obama had to fight for things. And Trump has, is in um, a beautiful situation for him, I think a president's dream situation, mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, is definitely to our detriment of having both the House and, well, having all of Congress a Republican leaning, you know, yeah. like being able to propose something. And it's like his daddy gave him a million yeah, dollars. Yeah, he has him. the sheer numbers to get anything he wants passed as long as everyone that's a Republican supports him. And the way things have been going, they've been wishy-washy as fuck with their morals and ethics, so they probably will. And that's what gets that's what gets concerning because, you know, before now, I really was a believer in when people are like, Obama's going to ruin this country. And I'm like, Obama does not have the power to single-handedly ruin this right. country. But I'm starting to fear that Donald Trump does. 
And uh, that's my fear for 2017. <laughs> How I'm feeling these days. I don't even, I mean, I guess that's my same fear. My, my, Actually, that's not my fear. I think my fear is that we're just going to die off and we're going to sit down like sitting ducks the way the Republicans have. Because mm-hmm. when he was running, everybody was like, that's not GOP. We don't know who that man is and we don't know how he got into our party. That shit. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they voted him as the nomination and it was like, are you sure though? Because like you he just- He doesn't said, represent our ideals at all. And then you put a, do. Right, right, office. right, right. And then now it's like all these congressmen they're just sitting down. They're like, oh, you know, it's okay. Now I have my nice cushiony job. And he's talking about tax cuts. So, you know, like, I guess we're cool. And, like, they're just sitting and they're cool. And it, and, and instead, they should have the same gusto that they had before. So I, I'm just worried that in 2017, we're just, it's going to become old news, quote unquote. And we're just going to let, just, like, let it die down. And Twitter is going to be going back to talking about, I guess, like, female to male gender differences and whether, um you know, whether this meme is funnier than the next and we're just going to move on with our lives and act like nothing ever really happened. And that kind of, that's the thing that scares me. Like, especially as a journalist, like that we're not going to keep that, that vigor and we're not going to keep that, that. I I get that. I understand that. You know, that's something I worry about, especially with watching how things have like, we have big red flags have come up that we never really dug deep enough into. We never really addressed and we just moved on. We have the attention span of a goldfish. We do. And it makes, it's really concerning, but you know, this is going to be a long four years. (laughs) Like, this is going to be a long four years and Donald Trump loves attention. So there Mm -hmm. is no way that in this four years, he's not going to do something that we're going to be like, we have to, we're going to have to pay attention. He's going to make us pay attention whether or not we want to. And, um, you know, the media, that's their job. Honestly, he's the biggest thing happening in the media. And I throw our country right now, this is the biggest thing we've got going on. And this is... And it's going to continue to be the biggest And there's thing. a lot of things that are coming down the pipe. You know, like, that's just, I don't know. It's just that. And, you know, now that some of these states feel empowered. They can do whatever the fuck they want. They're like, <laughs> oh, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to repeal um, Voting Rights Act. You know, whatever. Because we don't need it. I think that was North Carolina that yeah. tried that shit. And then... But um, what I wish I knew how the courts worked. The next court above that was like, oh hell no, y'all need it. You can't. They're like, y'all are biased as fuck. (laughs) No, you're gonna keep that, you know. But it's just it's with this change of, um, I feel like we're really seeing two different kinds of people: people who want to fight for that equality and for that truth and stuff, and then people who are content to let it be um, and they're not worried. And I guess that's just where I feel like. Right. We as Americans really have to ask, who are we and who do we want our country to be and what do we want for ourselves? You know, it's just it's a big question. We're in a big place right now. Yeah. So with that, um, thanks for listening. Yeah. This is uh, Chachi and Tori. And we are from Axiom. We are the creators of Axiom Magazine. So uh, as she said before, there's a lot of things coming down the pipe for 2017 on a national level and also for us. So just stay tuned and um, thanks for listening. Got that sauce, yeah. My cut so fast, I dip like sauce. I got that sauce, yeah. Guacamole chips and sauce.